What it is, is nobody likes somebody to have an unfair advantage. So if someone like, you know, they, they see you using Photoshop and they're like, oh man, you know, if they knew how to use it, if they were really good at it, they would be like, this is the greatest thing ever. Welcome to the Archipelago Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Morton. Joined on the podcast today by Scott Kelby, a man who hardly needs an introduction in the photography community. Scott is CEO of Kelby One, an online educational community for photographers, the editor, publisher, and co-founder of Photoshop User Magazine, and founder of the annual Scott Kelby Worldwide Photo Walk. These are just a few of the many hats Scott wears. He's also an award-winning photographer, designer, and author of more than 100 books, including his latest that we'll be discussing today, the travel photography book, Step-by-Step Techniques to Capture Breathtaking Travel Photos Like the Pros. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Sean. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's, it's great to have you. Listen, so besides writing a new book, what else have you been doing over the last couple of, I'll say, very strange years that we have had? Uh, well, uh, it's very weird for me because, uh, you know, I go into the office normally yeah. every day and, and I sit in meetings and stuff like that. And I've spent the last two years or plus at home, yeah. not traveling. It's, it's been crazy. Uh, not traveling, uh, it kills me. I, I yeah. love and live to travel. I, I right. like business travel. I even like business travel. So <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, so I've been, uh, you know, working at home four days a week, I go in one day right. uh, uh, on Wednesdays and catch up on whatever I have to do, and then I'm back home. So it's been a little, a little tough. It's tough being a travel photographer and not traveling. Right, so right. I just got to take my first trip. Uh, I got to go to Prague for nine days just a week ago. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm still have the glow on of finally getting <laughs> to travel again. Nice. So uh, it's, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a, an interesting time for sure it has it has so that was your first was that now was that personal or what was your trip for for Prague for uh okay so I was leading a travel photography workshop for 12 photographers yeah and it was supposed to have taken place in May of 2020 sure and right, we right kept, at the start of it we, yeah. we kept moving it three more months out yeah. three more months out until it finally came to 2022 yeah and I will say this the 12 people that went with me they were all hanging in with me for like two years. You've never seen a group more thankful to travel <laughs> and to finally get out that's, than this group of 12 great folks. <laughs> yeah, that's dedication for sure. That's that's amazing. So, wow. So that's cool. And um, I, I guess uh, I also heard you're going to be speaking live for the first time in a while uh, up at Optic in, in New York pretty oh, soon. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I haven't. Now, I haven't spoken in front of a live uh, audience in almost three years. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm used to doing 22 cities a year wow. uh, on a tour. So it's been, it's been very, uh, it's tough. And I, and I love yeah. speaking in front of a live audience um, because you can, you get instant feedback. Yeah. You know, you can see whether everyone's with me <laughs> or they're or not, not. <laughs> yeah. or not. And yeah. so there's just an energy that you get from a live audience that is, is, is hard to get when you're just looking at a camera. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, some of the online stuff that I've done. So uh, yeah. I'm super excited. You know what's weird about that conference? Uh, so it's a hybrid event. 
Right. And you can go in in person or you can watch it online. But whether you go in person or online, it's free. Wow. You just have to sign up. You just RSVP and you're in. And anybody that wants to go, it's at uh, bhoptic.com. And it's like a four-day event, and they got all these incredible photographers, Colby Brown, Joe McNally, Matt Kleskowski, Deb Sandich, all these great photographers. They've got a trade show. They have a cruise, the Sunset Cruise around the uh, Statue of Liberty. Wow. It's just nuts, and it's free. And that's free. They must that's have crazy. a lot of money. I know. They must have a lot of money, Sean. They must sell a lot of cameras. <laughs> yeah, they're selling a lot. B&H, B&H is doing all right, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I think they're, they're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I got to ask. So, I mean, of course, you know, um, since your, since your, uh, your new book that we're going to talk about today is, is about travel photography. I'd love to ask you a little bit about you and your, your personal experience with travel and, and how did you, how did you get into travel photography? And really actually what I would love to know, cause I don't know this is, is how did you get into photography at all in general? Well, they're both tied together. So, um, the, I got into photography back in the film days. <laughs> um, and my, my brother, uh, had gone on a trip and he came home and he made some eight by 10 enlargements. So this is way back in the film days. Yeah. And he shows me these pictures and they were from, they were from, from Europe. They think they were from, from Italy actually. And he shows me these pictures and I'm like, I, I know someone that took these pictures. Like, these are great. <laughs> yeah. How did you do this? Like I was just so taken with it. Yeah. And so, um, when he got his next camera, which was a, a Nikon, he gave me his old one, which was a Minolta SRT 101 film nice. camera. Yeah. And my first time shooting anything with it was my first time going to Europe. So nice. this is uh, back in the early eighties. My brother and I went to London and then we went to uh, Paris and I think we went to Dusseldorf, Germany. Hmm. Uh, so that was that was my first trip was travel photography and I fell in love with it. Hmm. And what's weird is so my brother who, who travels with me every year, he and I take a trip together and he has not been to London in 40 years oh, since wow. the first time we went. And oh. so I'm taking him. Cool. I'm taking him this summer. Nice. We're going to go to London and I want to take him. I'm like, uh, dude, you haven't been to London in 40 years. What's you've been everywhere in the world. He's been yeah. to China. He's been all over the place to all over Europe, but he has somehow missed it. So, but that's how I got into it. My brother got me into it. And yeah. our first trip was, was that, that trip to London and Paris. And, uh, I've been hooked on travel photography ever since. Hmm. Um, I also shoot, uh, photograph people. So my, my main three yeah. genres are sports, which is people moving, yeah, yeah. <laughs> travel, which is people someplace else, <laughs> and and portrait photography, which is people. So yeah. really, I'm a people photographer, yeah. uh, I guess. But I, I just I take two things that I love. I love the travel. I love photography. You put them together. Oh, it's such yeah, a great time. That sounds like a dream come true, right there. It is. It's. I love it. You should. You should bring that Minolta with you on that trip, just for all time's sake. You know, I don't have the patience for film. Uh, I would yeah. shoot the shot and look at the back of the right. camera, and it's just the back of the camera. Be like, gotcha. Where's the screen? Does it work? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do uh, I just have a black frame, or did something actually image? I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> oh man. So listen. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you've you've been your. You've been around a bit. How, what's what's been your favorite place to to travel to? And, to? and I guess maybe let me put it this way: What's been your favorite place to photograph? You know, it, it's tough to beat Paris. Yeah. Eh? Because Paris is so large and has so many different areas. 
there's a an area of Paris called La Defense, which looks literally like Manhattan. Right. It's these tall skyscrapers. Yeah. And the French would argue whether it's really in Paris or not. Right. But you can see it from wherever you are in Paris. You know, they're right. off in the distance. There's these tall buildings. And then you've got rivers and you've got architecture and different types of architecture. And you've got hills and you've got artist communities and you've got old uh, places where you can shoot in Paris, so many places where the photograph that you take looks the same as it did 200 years ago. Yeah. So it, they, they've mostly avoided new buildings. Right. So there's a lot of romance and charm and different neighborhoods and different looks. And did I mention the food? The food's <laughs> not bad while you're right? shooting. So yeah. there's just so many things and so many amazing monuments and parks and just... It's just got it all. I guess if I had to say any place, yeah. I, I would say it, Paris is probably the most photogenic city I've ever photographed. And it's it's just it's just a joy on so many levels. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't argue with you at all. I've, I've been there and, and I know exactly what you mean. And now here's another question along the same lines. Of course, you've kind of you've been all over. But what's on your bucket list, Scott? Where have you not been that, that you would like to photograph? Well, uh, I want to go to the Scottish Highlands, which is on my list for August. So we're starting in nice. London, yeah. then we're going to Edinburgh, Scotland, and then up to the Scottish Highlands. So yeah. finally, that's that's been on my list for a while. I want to go to Namibia. Ah. There is this very, very famous sand dunes and these yes. trees. and that, So that's on my list. Yeah. I want to go to Moscow, but not right now. Not right now. now. Yeah, probably not <laughs> good here right now. Not right this <laughs> yeah. minute, but that's been been on my list for a while those are and and, and of course patagonia mm -hmm. uh, down in chile uh is an amazing you know landscape type of opportunity yeah. and uh, i would love to go there and uh in antarctica yeah it was never on my list but now it is now uh, a couple of friends of mine went they came back with such wonderful pictures that it made me want to go there yeah. which i think that right there Sean it is the mark of a great travel photo. Yeah. If you see someone's photos from a place and you go, wow, I want to go there. I'm adding that to my bucket yeah. list. Yeah. That's a home run as far. And I talk about that in the book, you know, yeah. cause there's a, there's a chapter in the book about what makes a great travel photo. Right. And I go through and I kind of break down all these things. And I also, I give people a shot list. Um, uh, it's interesting. The shot list is here's what to shoot. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that shot list, by the way, came up from a lot of research. Right. So I, I bought every travel magazine I could, whether it's in print or digital. Yeah. And I played detective. What kind of photos wind up in these magazines? Because that's what those magazines are designed to do. They're designed to in, in, in a, um, ignite your passion yeah. for travel, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to go, here's Lisbon. And, and they're going to show you these great pictures and you're going to want to go to Lisbon. So I went through and I, and I said, I'm going to just write down on a, I did it old school, Sean. I got a piece of paper <laughs> and a pencil. I went old school yeah. and I just wrote down, I went everyone like what's in these, what do they show? And so that's what I talk about in the book. It's basically, here's the things to shoot. And then I give them a list of things not to shoot. Don't yes. waste your time on these things because you'll regret it. You'll yeah. get back home and think, what was I doing? And I'll give you an example of one. Yeah. And it's going to, when I first say it, you're going to go, wait, but when you got to hear the whole thing out, right. I recommend don't waste your time shooting the local animals. And this is what I mean. A buddy of mine, I remember Bermuda, we're there for business. We go out shooting the day before because I try to always sneak in a little shooting. Sure. And uh, we're at this, these cool ruins and, and there's these chickens. 
And my buddy spent 25 minutes shooting these chickens. <laughs> and I finally walked over and I said, hey, Dave, when we get back, you're going to look at this. I don't care how good the light was. <laughs> I don't care how good your angle was. It's a chicken. <laughs> we, we have chickens back home. Yeah. But I see people come home and, they, and they're like, now there's two kinds of shots. So that when I, as I explain this, Sean, yeah. there is the shots that we take to remember our trip. Yep. That's fine. That's ones that you want to share with your family and you're like, oh, we took this crazy donkey ride. Yeah. But you're not going to make a nice picture of that donkey. Yeah. For it's the not going to end up on your wall. <laughs> so I'm talking, yes. So this is exactly, so I'm talking to the photographer. Yeah. So yes, I want to take a snapshot of the donkey that we rode to the top of the hill, but I, I'm not going to try to make an artistic photo of that donkey. So people spend a lot of time, they come home with 38 shots of this donkey or of a goat Oh my gosh, they shoot goats like they're going out of style. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a particularly pretty animal. <laughs> it's true. not in pretty settings. It's not taken in a nice time of day. It's 38 shots of a goat. And you're never going to show them to anyone that's another photographer. This is only yeah. to go. And then we saw these goats. So I, I give you a list <laughs> of things like the goats. Yeah. That you can skip and don't, you know, there's so many neat things to shoot. You don't want to spend 25 minutes, you know, on the goats or the chickens. Yeah. And so it's I, interesting. You talk like about, that. you talk about travel magazines and, and these, uh, I'll call them hero shots, I guess, that, that really inspire us to go to these places. And it makes me think of Instagram and how do you think, you know, Instagram has changed the way, you know, we, we photograph it and the way we, we do travel photography. Oh yeah, it absolutely has, and I and I actually talk about that. So uh, the first chapter in the book is about research. Mm -hmm. It's about because it's so important that you do the research before you arrive in the town, so you have a plan and you know where to go, and you've got a shot list and all that kind of stuff. And so I talk about uh, my three resources. Uh, my first resource is a thing called 500px. It's a website you can use for free, made up of great photographers all over the world. And you go in there and you just type in Prague, for example. Yeah. And here comes amazing images of Prague. Yeah. My second resource is Skype. I'm um, not Skype. My second re resource is Pinterest. Yeah. So Pinterest is different. So so 500px is a bunch of photographers saying, here's my best shot of Prague. Pinterest is is regular people that go, look at all these beautiful shots I found from all these different photographers right. of Prague. Yeah. So it's like they're curating a list yeah. of great photos and locations for you. And my third is Instagram to just go and type in hashtag Prague. Yeah. And you'll see... You'll see a wide range of images on Instagram from That's amazing, it. fantastic to, uh, to chickens, <laughs> yeah, to chickens, to the chicken shots. But uh, those are all great resources. And, 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 you know, there's so many articles. This is what you'll find a lot of on Pinterest. On Pinterest, you'll find out the 10 top Instagrammable shots in Prague, <laughs> right. but it's, it's actually good to look at them yeah. because you'll find little neighborhoods and little places that you won't find in the regular articles. So I do actually look at those. Um, and it's just, um, there's more resources now for us to do research before we go, uh, than ever. Yeah. And so that's why I think those three resources are, but I go into all kinds of detail, you know, there's Google maps and there's all kinds of other ways to get to not only do research, but to kind of really build your shot list and oh, think, yeah. okay, when I go there, here's the kind of things that I want to get, here's what I want to come back with. Yeah. And what's interesting is, of course, we all want to get the hero shots. Yeah. But when you get back, you you want to tell the story of your trip. So I, I tell people, this is right straight from the magazines. Do you know what almost every magazine article includes? Photos of the food. Yeah. 
because that's one of the reasons we love to travel. But I talk about how to get killer food shots because I do see a lot of food shots where the the plates look blue and the food doesn't look appetizing and all. So I've got some fantastic tips. It's it's both camera settings and where to sit in the restaurant and all these different things to make sure that you come back with shots that people go, oh my gosh, that food looks amazing. And so... uh, I've got that in there as as in the list of things to shoot. That's that's definitely yeah. I, I always shoot the food and you never regret it. You come back and you're like, oh, I remember that. That was so, the breakfast was oh, amazing yeah. there. And look at this croissant. And if you just if you can get that croissant with the chocolate at the sides and the lighting's just right, it makes you cry, Sean. <laughs> Burst into tears listen, every time listen, you see listen, it. Scott, I'm hungry right now, so stop talking about food. Okay, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's, it's funny because it's funny because I think of trips and and my partner and I were just talking about Lisbon and we were talking about that one restaurant where we had it. I just I don't know how the olives were so good there, but you know we just we can't forget it. You know, uh, it's yeah. so true. It's so true. But actually, it's funny because you you know you talk about cell phones and that. You know, in your in your opinion, cell phones definitely do have a an important place in in travel oh, photography, right? There are things that that your your iPhone will do yeah. that that are better and make more sense to do on your iPhone than it does on your mirrorless or your DSLR. Yeah. And, and can I tell you a quick a quick story, Sean? This sure, this will yeah. really put it in context. So I'm leading a workshop in China, middle of nowhere, China, Guilin, China, and we're we're photographing these fishermen in this amazing lagoon with these big mountains and all, yeah. and we're all set up and we 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 it it getting out there was a, just a pain in the butt. And we're out there shooting on this little piece of land, and the, it's an amazing scene. It's before dawn. It's like five in the morning. And uh, with us, so I'm teaching the workshop with Rick Salmon, who's a, a wonderful photographer and friend, and his wife uh, is a iPhoneographer. So her only camera is her iPhone. Yeah. We're sitting out there, and she walks over and goes, look. And she shows me her phone, and here's a picture on Instagram, and she's edited it, and it looks phenomenal. It looks yeah. great. And I think to myself, what do I have to do to get a photo on Instagram? Well, here's the here's what I have to do, Sean. I have to tear down my equipment, pack it up in my bag, <laughs> put my backpack on. I have to hike for a long time. Then I get on a little a little boat. It's not a boat. It's a raft with a it's a one person raft with just the driver and me, and he's using a lawnmower engine. And we go down the river, and you think you're going to die because it's just weird, and it's like this thing goes over. There's no life vests or anything. This is middle of nowhere, China. So then I get out, and then you hike some more to a bus. The bus goes you know, two hours, and then you have to get out of the bus and get onto a smaller bus so it'll fit up to your hotel. You get to your hotel. You pop out the card. You get your memory card reader. You put the card reader in. You (laughs) upload the images. You put them in Lightroom. You go through. You find the one you want. And ready? Ready? After it's all done and edited? You have to upload it back to your phone, Sean. You have to go back to your phone and you have to go to Instagram. And you're like, are you kidding me? And she's over there. And then your trip's over. (laughs) Yeah. And by that time, it's like 10 in the morning. Your day's gone. And and she's had the shot up for five hours. And you're like, it really hit me at that moment. And then a few minutes later, it, it, it slugged me in the gut when she walks over and says, look what I just did. So the fishermen are now throwing their nets way, they cast them way up in the air and they come down and she turns around and she shows me super slow-mo. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you, you if you have an iPhone or not, oh, but yeah. I, the, okay, so the iPhone slow-mo feature is really neat in that it goes regular speed for a few seconds yeah. and then it 
it, it goes immediately into the super slow-mo. So you see the fishermen taking the net, they grab it, and as soon as it leaves their hands, for whatever reason, it goes right to slow-mo, yeah. and it creates this incredible video, and we're all like, oh. <laughs> and so what do we do? We all pull out our iPhones. We're all sitting there with all our gear on tripods, and we're all shooting with our iPhones. Yep. And there are things that the iPhone just does better. Panos, right. panoramas are so easy and so nice to do. And you can do vertical panos. You can do horizontal panos. You can do all kinds of stuff. There's just so many things that it'll do in-camera HDR that captures a wider range. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's crazy what the iPhones can do. And you can edit it right there while you're standing on a, a mound of dirt in the middle <laughs> of nowhere, China. Yeah. You can just pull it out. You can edit it and you can add things. And there's, and like, for example, Sean, you know, I, I, I use Photoshop. Yep. I use Lightroom, right? Sure. There, there's an app for 99 cents that just, if you tap on a telephone wire, just tap on it with your finger. It removes yeah. the telephone wire. Yeah. I'm thinking in Photoshop, I have to take a brush. <laughs> I have to size it down to the size of the wire. I have to carefully trace along the whole wire. Yeah. But for 99 cents on my phone, I just tap. Oh, it's gone. It's wild, eh? It's yeah. like some of the apps are yeah. just incredible what they do. Yeah. The AI technology is just like going in ah, leaps and bounds now. It's, it's nuts. Oh, it's just, it's, it's changing the way we work. Yeah. But you know what I would tell people about the AI stuff is, is absolutely embrace it mm. because the AI stuff does not take away the creative part of your yeah. photography. What it takes away is the boring production stuff. Yeah, the, the, the so work. it does the sharpening yeah. for you or it removes noise or it resizes your photo. Yeah. No one says, I can't wait to get home so I can remove noise. <laughs> no one's like, man, I just want to get rid of that noise. It would be so much fun right. to get rid of noise. There's none of that. That's yeah. not where our lives are. Our lives yeah. are, I, I want to try the changing the white balance and making it more blue and see how that would look. You know, the fun, creative, experimental stuff. And the AI does the stuff we don't want to do. And because it's taking care of that stuff so quickly and so well, what does it leave us more time for? Yeah, Being creative, creative and having fun. Yeah. I'm all about the AI stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, like Scott, you know, you, you are the Photoshop guy, right? You're, you're really an expert on, on all things post-processing. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, we got to talk about, you know, sort of the, the quote-unquote real camera stuff here, right? And, you know, we'd all love to get it right in camera. Uh, but there's definitely an art, you know, to finishing our, our digital raw images and post and, 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 oh, yeah. and in fact, it's a necessary part of the workflow. So what do you say to people that, you know, sort of poo poo and dislike the post-processing part of things? All right, Sean, can I be straight with you, Sean? Please. <laughs> All right. So here, here's my feelings on this, Sean. I've never met someone who poo pooed using Photoshop or Lightroom that actually knew how to use Photoshop or Lightroom. <laughs> yeah. The people that say, oh, well, that's cheating and stuff is because they don't know how to use it. Yeah. I've never met someone that said, oh, man, Photoshop's cheating. I'm like, you good at Photoshop? I'm great at Photoshop. I just think it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you're right. just not going to hear that. Yeah. What it is is nobody likes somebody to have an unfair advantage. Yeah. So if someone like, you know, they, they see you using Photoshop and they're like, oh, man, you know, if they knew how to use it, if they were really good at it, yeah, they would be like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, let's let's go back. You know, it, it, when I do my live seminars, uh, one of the things that I talk about is I go back and I show some of the greatest photos in history. Right. Uh, some from, you know, like Edward Weston and yeah, um, uh, oh, I can't think Ansel of his name Adams right now. Or... Of course. Uh, well, Ansel Adams, but no, I don't show actual Ansel Adams, sure. Ansel Adams photos, but I show a photo 
um, that was considered by called by Time magazine the photo of the century. Right. And what I show is here's the final image, the one that Time called, and then I show the original negative and the markups of the photographer of what he wanted done to the photo in the dark room. Yeah. And it's brighten this, lighten this, remove that, crop it here, do this. It's it's like yeah. a huge list of instructions written right on a print yeah. that says to somebody else, I need you to do these things. And I show all of these different images, uh, including the famous uh, image of Igor Stravinsky, which is used in colleges to teach composition. Mm -hmm. But if you see the original image, you're like, oh, that's not what he shot. <laughs> and you see his marks, crop it here, do yeah. this. So you see um, all of these famous images um, that, that through history, and when you see what the, photog the photographer actually took, and then all of their markups and all of their changes, uh, it's it's just, it's, it's an, a real eye-opener. Yeah. And so what I would say is, they've been doing this forever. Yeah. The photographers that we study in college, that we look up to, the greatest photographers in history, all gave instructions to someone else on how they wanted their picture, picture fixed. Yeah. The only difference is now, we don't have to give instructions to someone else. We can crop it where we want it. Yeah. We can make this part brighter and this part darker, but they've been doing it ever forever, including Ansel Adams. Yeah. Ansel Adams was a was a magician in the uh, in the dark room. Now, I'm not taking anything away from his photography. He was a phenomenal photographer. Sure. But what what put it over the top was he was a phenomenal dark room uh, processor. Yeah. His his skill in the in the dark room was fantastic. And there's a famous quote from him where I can't wait to see what future generations will do to my images on the computer. Hmm. He wanted to see, you know, how far people would be able to take things because he could see where it was going. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, Photoshop's been around for 30 something years. It's not a new secret that somebody just came up with. Uh, it is, it's been a tool used, you know, uh, you know, since the eighties. Yeah. Uh Oh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> so uh, it, yeah. So it's, it's, when people poo poo it, I'm like, you just just say it. I don't know Photoshop and I'm angry because other people do. Because right. if I was really good at it, I'd be doing it every day. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it helps you. And you know what it is like a lot of times you're out there and it looks so beautiful and it's so amazing. And then you open the picture on your camera. And you're like, that's not what it looked like. Yeah. I was there and it was the sky was bluer. And, this, you know, mm -hmm. should you be stuck with what your sensor, you know, or should you show it how it looked to you? So, you know, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I don't like to add stuff that's not in my photos. Mm -hmm. um, and, and interesting enough, so Photoshop now has a feature called sky replacement. Yeah, yeah. That that will allow you to put to, if you have a a bald sky or a gray sky, you can put in a better looking sky. Yeah. And I, I resisted that, Sean, like you cannot believe. For whatever weird reason, <laughs> I had some weird moral thing like, oh, you can't replace this guy. Yeah. And then, like, as I, you know, in the past few years, literally just in the past couple of years, I'd be sitting there talking with a buddy or something. And I'd say, oh, man, I love that shot that you got at, I don't know, Seville. Mm -hmm. That that morning shot. And they're like, I said, that sky, God, you were so lucky. And they're like, well, that wasn't this guy. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I put that sky in in Photoshop. I'm like. What? Well, Sean, here's what I realized very quickly. 
I was the last one not doing sky right. replacement. <laughs> all these photographers that I look up to, all my heroes in landscape and travel photography, they're all doing it. And they've been doing it for years. And I'm yep. like the last one. I'm like this old man. I'm not going to replace my sky. <laughs> and I realized I'm like a moron. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? Yeah. So I finally got on board and I I, I do it here and there now. Yeah. Uh, but, but like for things like aviation photography, where you've gone to an air show, you're spending three days there, you've shot 3,000 photos, you have 100 keepers, and a gray sky behind most of them. Yeah. So I just, I guess I'm not going to show those photos to anyone. I spent all the money, I spent all the time, but I'll just keep them on my computer and, and hoard them because next the sky was your goat bright. photos. <laughs> so you know what I do? Because there's a weird thing, Sean, and you know this, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But do you know how like you get up in the morning and you're at dawn and you're at this perfect position and you're all set up and you're ready to go and you're looking in front of you and the sky's not that great. Yeah. But then you turn around and look behind you and there's a fabulous sky. Like I need that sky that's behind <laughs> right. me to be over those bridges over there. Yep. And so now I turn around and I shoot that sky, Sean. I yep. shoot the heck out of it with the same lens at the same focal length and everything. Yeah. So later I can move that, put that sky yeah. where I want it. Yeah. But it's nice to have the same sky from the same place using the same lens. That's very nice because it, it's a perfect marriage. Right. There is a little bit of an art to photographing skies and having them fit and look realistic. That's right. Uh, even though Photoshop will do all the heavy lifting, you still have to look at the photo and go, yeah, that looks like those clouds are really there. You exactly. don't want to go, you don't want to shoot it with a 400 millimeter and stick it on your 16 millimeter shot. You go, yeah. Ooh, yeah. something doesn't look right. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I find it even in this book, like so many of the insights uh, and, and the lessons they go far beyond just travel photography. Like, I mean, we're talking about replacing skies and that doesn't, you know, I mean, so much of this book is val has value outside of just the world of travel photography as well. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I was asked to do a presentation, uh, for another one of B and H's events. They do a Lance, they do a portrait conference and I, I speak at the portrait conference mm -hmm. as well. And you know what they asked me to speak on how to replace skies in outdoor portraits. Right. And I did sky a whole thing on sky yeah. replacement on engagement photos and bridal photos. Right, right. And you know, it's because because they you face the same exact things in uh, in in that as you do in landscape and in and in travel. So yeah, a lot of the techniques and a lot of the ideas uh, you know go beyond travel. Mm -hmm. But I taught everything in the context of travel. Um, because it's, well, it's called the travel photography <laughs> book, but, but it's also, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. It's yeah. just, you know, sometimes you wind up writing books that, you know, I know how to do this thing and I know people are struggling with it, yeah. but writing a book about organization and Lightroom is not as much fun. I can no. tell you, Sean, as writing a book about travel photography. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love the way you laid it out too, right? I mean, you basically got like a single page, which is like mm -hmm. a, a single subject. And so it's just like this kind of book you can just jump in anywhere. You can just flip it open and boom, you've got like a little, a little one page insight. Uh, I guess that was pretty intentional on your part, right? Yeah, it's it's not a read it in order book. Right. Uh, I did I did kind of put it in some minor bit of an order yeah. in that the first thing is um research and the second thing is equipment. Yeah. Uh, but, but after that, really it's a jump in anywhere book. It's really, you know, I wanted to make this book turn to the chapter that you want. So if you're like, how do I photograph people? Like I'm very yeah. queasy about photographing people in a foreign yeah. country. What do I do? You turn the people chapter and you go to the one that you want, you know, and I'll, and I, I tried to write it all in, in, 
the same way I would if I was with a buddy. Yeah. So if a buddy asked me, you know, hey, how do I get a photo of that guy over there? You know, I wouldn't go. Well, first we need to consider the uh, the the fall off amount, and let's <laughs> use the exposure triangle. And I I wouldn't tell a buddy any of that stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. So uh, I just try to talk just like I'm talking to you now. Yeah. Which kind of drives my editors crazy, but my <laughs> editors know this is the way he 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 writes like he talks. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not a trained writer. Uh, you know, I never, I, I, I hated English in school and my grammar is not phenomenal. It's gotten better over a hundred books. <laughs> I was going to say, I have you've written a hundred books. You must be doing okay. I, well, I do. I have a great editor. Kim Doty is my editor. She's wonderful to work with and she keeps my, my personality and she lets me use words and do things you're not supposed to do <laughs> because she's like, that's just how you yeah. are. Yeah. Like you start sentences with and. <laughs> and, and you end with prepositions and all these kind of things that are that are grammatically not correct. But yeah. she goes, but that's you, and that's the way you talk. So she she keeps the the flavor. But if she sees something really like it's just a mess, she's like, I gotta fix this. And yeah. She does a great job. You know, I never when I read it back, I never noticed that she's made the the edits, but they're all right on the money. So yeah. that's the mark of a great editor, and she sure. she truly is. Right on. Listen, you you know you you touched on a subject there, and and of course it's sort of your your thing, and that's people portraits. And I love that you have a whole section on this. I, I'm a portrait photographer, so so I can relate to a lot of it. But I think for a lot of folks, it's maybe some of the one of the toughest things to to do. You know, um, and what what would you say are, are some maybe because I mean you talk about it a lot in the book, but what are some of the key things that people should consider when they're looking to add? portraits of people into their travel photos? Well, I, I, first off, I think, I think it's very important to include the people yeah. like you, you want to include some of the culture and you don't want to just come home. And I tell people this, you don't want to come home with a bunch of buildings and monuments Yeah, because there's much more to a city or a country than the building and monuments. True. But it's, it's not easy for a lot of people, myself yeah. included. It is very hard to photograph people, especially if you do not speak their language. Yeah, yeah. But I found a bunch of tips and I go through them in the book, but I will give you one tip that works phenomenally well. And um, it is, you're kind of asking permission to take their photograph, kinda. But this, so hear me out. I'm in a foreign country, I don't speak the language, which I don't speak any other language, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I speak just enough Spanish to order food, but outside <laughs> of that, which is sad because my mother was born and raised in Spain. So right. let's not go down that, <laughs> that lack of uh, enthusiasm for, for learning Spanish. But um, so I'm walking in a city and I see someone I want to photograph. And so what I do is I look at them and I smile. This is very important. Smile first, <laughs> yeah. and then I hold up my camera like, hey, I'm about to take your picture. And I'm nodding, and I'm <laughs> holding the camera like, hey, I'm going to take your picture. And yeah. then I just boom, and I take their picture. Now, it may not be an awesome shot, yeah. but here's the thing. I, I just took something from them. Yeah. I just took their picture, and they may or may not, they may have said, yeah, and they pose or they don't. But then I turn around, and slowly, you don't want to go aggressively, slowly, I turn the camera around so they can see the picture, and I walk up and I show it to them. Yeah. Now, most of the time, they'll look at it, and they'll go, oh, well, they'll smile, or they'll laugh, or whatever. And then I just, I don't speak their language, right? I just nod and smile, like, a couple more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's amazing how many times they'll say, yeah, 
sure. Yeah. And then you get a couple more shots and you share, share the shots with them. And if they really fall in love with them, if, if you can speak enough of their language or they can speak enough English, really, in my case, right. uh, I, I get their email address and I email them the photo. That's great. Yeah. So that's the best thing you do because you're planting the seed for the next photographer. Right. So if another photographer goes up and wants to take their pictures and, and, uh, it 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 op- it makes it that much easier. Yeah. Uh, rarely do I have someone say no. Like very very rarely yeah. does someone say no because the smile opens a lot of doors. If you yep. just smile and go, hey, I want to take a picture, they know you're a tourist. Yeah. They know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one way to. I call it the smile, shoot, and share. <laughs> so smile at them. Yep. Take the shot quickly and then share it with them. Yeah. And there's very likely that. The, but I will tell you this. If someone does give you permission to photograph them, be quick about it. Yeah. A buddy of mine would would do this with me and he would do this mile shoot and share it work great. But then he would stay with them too long. And you can see them starting to be like, okay, that's enough. Getting and he would keep doing it. Yeah. You have to kind of know where, all right, this is maybe the time where I need to kind of back off. So yeah. so be quick about it and be yep. gracious and, and thankful that they let you gave you part of their time and allowed them to photograph you. Um, another thing I tell people when you're just getting into this and you're not sure, mm-hmm. the great things to photograph that are an absolute, they're going to say yes 100% of the time, photograph your server. Hmm. Like when they're bringing you food and I'll tell the server, Hey, w- when you bring back my coffee, can I take a picture of your, of you putting the coffee cup down on the table? Cause that's like a classic shot that you yeah. will see. You'll see in all these travel magazines, a barista or yep. someone in a wonderful coffee shop, making your coffee or putting your coffee down on the table. So I'll tell them and they're like, sure. Yeah. They never say no because yeah. they're working for tips. That's right. So, um, same thing. If you go up to a vegetable cart or someone selling on the street, if you buy something, They'll let you photograph. If you buy a tangerine, they will let you photograph them for five minutes. <laughs> but if you just walk up and start shooting, they'll. Yeah. So, um, you know, because you go from a stranger to a customer yeah. once you buy something. Yeah. So those are a couple of tips. Um, if you have uh, someone driving you in a cab, if you have someone helping you in a store or something, and you're like, can I just take your picture real quick? You know, 100 percent. They're like, absolutely. Yeah. You know. They, they don't really ever say no. They, they're, you know, you're working with them. Or if you've got a tour guide, you're taking a bus tour or whatever. Those, you know, and I talk about candids and semi-candids. Another thing that I do that works so well is if you have a tour guide, yeah, your tour guide speaks the language well, right? I just asked the tour guide, hey, I would love to get a picture of that guy. Can you ask him if it's okay? And they'll walk over and say, I got a stupid American tourist over here. Can you take your picture? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Good. And I, I can't tell you how, how many times that's worked. Yeah. It's like Just having a, it's like having a fix, your bus. own personal fixer with you, right? Yeah. They'll walk over and set up a shot. And yeah. uh, I was driving. I had a, uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll go to an Uber driver and, and just go or, you know, or a taxi and say, how much for an hour? Yeah. And I'm always stunned at how low it is. Cause they spend a lot of time waiting and doing nothing, yeah. you know, so you can get a, a cab or an Uber for a ridiculously low amount of money most of the time. Yeah. And so, uh, we're driving through this little Island in Greece. Um, and, and I see a guy inside a shop, literally like welding and working on not welding. He's working on, uh, making tools the old fashioned oh, yeah. way. Like a blacksmith. There's all these tools yeah, yeah, hanging yeah. and it looks so cool. Yeah. And I said, Oh, can you stop the car? Can you ask him? And the guy goes in, he's like, sure. The guy, let me shoot for like 10 minutes while he's, nice. you know, banging out stuff and sparks are flying and all. I'm like, Ooh, this is so great. <laughs> so that's, that's another one to take advantage of. If you have a guide or a driver or someone from the hotel, Oh, hotel staff. 
hotel staff, the guy at the door, the the man at the front, you know, that opens the door to the hotel or whatever, or the the guy at the front desk or any, they were very, very willing uh, for a, to, for a guest to pose. So there's a lot of different strategies. You you mentioned one in the book that, uh, that you're you're sort of touching on there. And it's, uh, I think you called it the hidden power of the concierge at a hotel. And that was about access, right? Oh yeah. Cause the concierge, they, they do work straight up for tips. Yeah. And if you take care of your concierge, my gosh, they'll do all kinds of stuff. So, for example, if I want to shoot from the rooftop of a building, yeah. right, because I love these sweeping cityscape shots, you know. Yeah, yeah. But so um, if you go to the manager of their hotel and say, hey, can I get up to the rooftop bar and shoot while it's closed? They're going to be like, no, I'm sorry, yeah. it's closed, yeah. you know. But if you go to the concierge. They're like, yeah, let's go. And they'll, <laughs> and, and I've had the concierge even tell me like, okay, so we don't, I can't get you on the roof cause there's really no access up there. How about if I get you when somebody checks out from a hotel room on a high floor, can you shoot from their balcony? I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> so they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, the yeah. concierges are motivated. They want to get a tip and I do tip them. I always tip the concierges, um, at the Hilton that I was staying in, in Prague, uh, very first day I needed the, uh, the, uh, their help to, to arrange a bus for my, you know, tour group to drive around and stuff. And I uh, gave them a great tip. And every time I came by, they, they could not be more helpful. Yeah. What do you want? What can I get you? I'm going to get you a better deal on this. And nice. let me see if I can save you a few bucks and all. I mean, a, a great concierge is great. Yeah. And they have so much access and so much power and they have connections. Yeah. Like they can call places and get you into stuff and get you private tours and stuff that, you know. When they call and they say, hey, I'm calling from the Hilton or I'm calling from wherever, I usually don't stay. Hilton is a very fancy hotel for me to stay at right. when I travel. I'm not a, I usually stay at an inexpensive boutique hotel or something. But yeah. in this case, um, they had great conference facilities. And I needed a classroom for my workshop. But uh, yeah, they, 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 can, they called and got me into a, a private thing um, that there's nowhere it says there's private tours. Now, I will tell you this. I think this tour that the concierge arranged for us was kind of an off the books tour. (laughs) I had to pay the guide in cash in secret. Like I couldn't do it in front of anybody and all. And they got us into this place and everybody else there seemed to be angry that we had this tour. (laughs) But you know what? I got 12 people and me and a co-instructor in a place that I'd never seen anybody allowed. So, and that was the concierge set it up, but it was kind of sketchy, a little sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was an off the books transaction. Yeah. Listen, I got it. We, we can't, we can't have this chat without talking a little bit about gear. And, and I love that the chapter in your book is what to take and what to leave behind. And, and how hard is it to convince photographers that less is more when it comes to travel photography? Oh, Sean, it's the hardest part of everything. So I do these, I do these workshops, right? And I do a newsletter. So like I have 12 people and then I send them a newsletter number one, newsletter number two, newsletter number three. Yeah. In each of the newsletters, there's a section called don't bring too much gear. <laughs> and I tell people, if you come home and you, you're going to regret something, it will not be regretting that you didn't bring your tilt shift lens. <laughs> yeah. It will be regretting that you brought too much stuff and that yeah. you're carrying it around everywhere. So I really try, I say, guys, if you really want to have a great trip, bring two lenses. Yeah. Just bring a wide angle and a long and that's it. Yeah. So what I take with me is I, I have a 14 to 35. Yeah. And it is not an expensive lens. It, I think it was it was twelve hundred dollars, which give you an idea how things have changed. Twelve hundred dollars is now a cheap lens. 
Yeah. You're like $1,200. That's it. Wow. Because lenses have gotten so crazy expensive. And then I take another one that would cost me under a thousand, which is a 24 to 240. Yeah. So I have all the way from super wide at 14, all the way through to 240 in two lightweight lenses. They are not 2.8 lenses. They're obviously if they're charged 800 bucks or a thousand bucks, they're not 2.8. But, um, I, those those are my go-to lenses. They're very lightweight, and I carry a very small sling bag. Yeah, it is a uh, it's a bag that basically holds one lens and your accessories. Yeah. But what's nice about it is you're only carrying a bag with one lens in it. I have two filters that screw on. Yeah. I have a platypod, which is basically what I use instead of a tripod indoors, which is just a a little thing you can set your camera on. It keeps it still, and it's it's wonderful. Uh, and a ball head. That's it. That's all that's in my bag. It's so lightweight. It weighs nothing. Yeah. And then when I want to change lenses, I swing it in front of me. I unzip it, take out the other lens, put my other one on, zip it back up, put it yeah. on my side and keep walking. Yeah. And it, it is, it is, it makes the trip a joy. You don't have to worry about watching your gear and, and watching a big camera bag. And can someone get into your backpack while you're walking and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it also a sling bag goes across your body. So no one can run by and grab your camera bag. And yeah. Sean, I got stories. I could do a whole show just on friends who lost their gear right. traveling. Uh, one guy was telling me he was on, he was very concerned about losing his gear. So what he did was he put, he didn't put his backpack in the seat beside him. He literally put it in, in between his legs right in front of him. Cause he's like, I don't want someone to just run by and grab my stuff. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, as the train was pulling in, just pulling out of the, getting ready to pull out of the station, some guy walked by, grabbed his bag, jumped out the doors and the doors closed. Wow. I mean, he said, Scott, it happened in a split second. Yeah. And he goes, literally, he knew when the doors would close, he grabbed my bag and the door immediately closed and the train pulled away. Yeah. He said, that guy must have done it a dozen times and his timing was so perfect and it happened so fast. He said the whole thing took five seconds. Wow! And there goes there goes my entire bag of gear. He said it was like eighteen thousand dollars worth of gear. Oh, it was two camera bodies, five lenses. You know, he he yeah. didn't take. He was not with me. He did not take my two <laughs> two camera advice. No. But uh, I, I've got so many stories, Sean. I, I I just can't even tell you about how many people have have lost their gear. And so this is one way to keep somebody. Because uh, a lot of times when I've heard this story many times. Where when they they run by and grab the camera bag off your shoulder, and they dislocate your shoulder, right? Because they're ripping it off you, and two people have been have had their shoulders dislocated. So not only is all their gear gone, but they're on the way to the hospital. Yeah. So it's it's all Insult bad. But these sling bags, <laughs> yeah. nobody's taking your sling bag, Sean, because no. you're going with it. It's yeah. going right across your body. So yeah. it's it's I think it's it's very safe. I've never had an issue with it. It's very light and it yeah. carries a surprising amount of stuff. Yeah. Like and it's it's just the bag itself weighs ounces. It's so lightweight. Um, the one I use is from Think Tank Photo. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't uh, I'm not I'm not sponsored by them or anything. Um. But uh, think tank photo, and it's called a turnstile ten. Okay. 
Okay. And so go look at that. You can find those at B&H or wherever. But uh, anyway, if you mention my name, you don't get anything. (laughs) (laughs) Just glory. You You just get glory. I don't get anything. (laughs) It's just, you know. They give us, actually, I shouldn't say that. They do give us some bags to give away from sometimes on my podcast. Yeah. Um, They do give us a bag or two to give away sometimes. So And and they have sponsored individual events. But I don't have a program where I get money from them if you buy stuff. And, uh, I should. Yeah. Well, geez, after <laughs> Wait a this, minute. you should. <laughs> Are they listening? <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, the other thing I want to talk about gear is, is backing up photos. Now, are you still bringing a laptop with you to back up? Because I know that you talk about that, but you also talk about uh, something that I use, and that's the the uh, the Western Digital My Passport uh, yes. hard drive that's got the, the SD card reader. which Right is, in it. I started using that years ago, and I swear by it. I mean, I love I it. Do. I do both, Sean. You do both. So yeah. I do bring. I, well, well you know what it is. Yeah, because you're doing presentations. Well, first and off, stuff I'm, too, I'm, right? I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm teaching a workshop. Yeah. But even if I'm not, I, I just like to work on my images at night. I love yeah. to end my day by seeing what the day's take was and yeah. editing them and you know stuff like that. Yeah. But then I'm backing them up. Yeah. And uh, and no matter how tired I am, no matter how late I get back, it's yeah. just I have to do it. I I back up first. I I download the card into my computer. Then I do the the SD backup to the the hard drive, so I have two versions. Yeah. And then I still and I don't erase the memory card. Yeah, they're so cheap. I, now, I bring right? that card. They yeah. are so cheap. I bring yeah. that card home, yeah. so I have an extra one. And I also then I store. Uh, I do store all my stuff in the safe. Yeah. But what I do is I'll put my laptop in the safe, which has one, one you know copy, yeah. set of of copy. And then I have the card in my camera, and I put my camera uh, in the safe. But then I put my hard drive hidden in my luggage. Yeah. So if somehow or another they got in the safe or they yeah. told my luggage, I still have a version yeah. somewhere. Now, if if I do do, if I do do, that sounds bad. If I <laughs> actually process images and make finals, I upload those to the cloud. Yeah. So from my hotel room, I just drop them in Dropbox. Yeah. So no matter what happens, at least my finals are. You gonna, got them somewhere. If the yeah. hotel explodes, yeah. You know, then yeah. my my images are still in the cloud. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I'm probably over paranoid about this, Sean. I probably worry about it more than I should. Well, but can I tell you why? Yeah, tell, tell me. Why? Yeah. Year, years ago, I went to Denver, and I did one of those those things you do where you go, I'm going to go out shooting with a 50 millimeter lens. And I'm just going to shoot with a 50 and it's really going to stretch me because, I, you know, I have to zoom with my feet yep. and I'm going to go and I'm going to shoot all this stuff. Well, I did. I shot and I, and I was kind of like, I think I did pretty well today. Uh, when I got back home, I couldn't find that card. Hmm. I couldn't find that card ever. And that card was lost forever. And I felt like, Sean, that on there were, were award-winning shots <laughs> yeah. that were, that I lost. But And then years later... I bought a new laptop bag and I'm taking everything out of my laptop bag and I found the card. No way. <laughs> I put it in my camera. It was the collection of the lamest shots. Uh, they were just, they were, they were trash. They were yeah. trash on. And, and I, 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 but for that two years, you kept, there is something weird. You feel a loss when oh, you yeah. lose images. Yep. You actually feel like an emotional loss. And I felt like I'd lost something great. Two years or three years later, I proved I lost nothing. It was, I'm telling you, Sean, I would never show you these shots. That's how bad they were because you would lose respect for me as a photographer. F- file, them alongside, file them alongside the chicken photos. There they go. Oh, yeah, they were right. They were right. Chicken quality and great light. So, um, But it's weird how you do feel that emotional loss. So I think 
because of that, I, I probably over backups. So yeah. yeah, it's not necessary to have as many backups like yeah. three and a cloud as I yeah. do. So don't don't get carried away, kids. It's just a sickness <laughs> with me. Well, listen, I I, I got to ask you know, um, and and I, I'd love to ask this to my to all my guests, and and that's about inspiration, and I'd love to know what what or who inspires you, and it it doesn't have to be anything from the or anyone from the photography world either. Well, it is photographers, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There are a number of travel photographers that I follow on Instagram that are just, they're so, so good. Now, most of my travel photography is done in the context of vacation. Yep. So I, I rarely do I ever go, I'm going to travel to this country mm-hmm. and I'm just going to shoot. You know, that doesn't really happen very much for me. I'm going with my family to yeah. France and I'm going to shoot in the confines. Now, I will get up early yep. while my wife and the kids are still asleep because they're like, you're getting up at what time? Yeah, wake <laughs> us right. up. We'll see you at breakfast at That's 830. Right. So, but, um, but there are so many photographers that do that are able to go and do that and they go to a particular area and i, I mentioned trey ratcliffe is one uh Elia lacardi mm-hmm. um where where they are living the life of a travel photographer and they're going and i'm very jealous of them by the way yeah. uh <laughs> because they they do they will travel to dubai and stay there and and you know, wait for the perfect, you know, mm-hmm. moment to be on top of a building when the clouds are rolling in, which only happens a few days a year. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're, they're, they're working on a whole different level than I am. Yeah. So I do go to them for inspiration. I look at their stuff and I'm just like, Elia Lacardi's stuff. Holy cow. I mean, his stuff is so inspirational. And, uh, and he's such a great guy. I ran into him. I was doing a workshop in Rome and I ran into <laughs> him in Rome. Uh, and he was, no, I'm sorry. He was leading a workshop in Rome. I was there with my family. Right. I was there with my brother and my yeah. wife and my brother's girlfriend and 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 uh, not the kids. The, the stinking kids. We left him at home. <laughs> we, we just said, here's here's door here's the number for DoorDash. Good luck. We'll be back in two weeks. But uh, no. But anyway, he was leading a workshop and we ran into him at a location that I <laughs> that yeah. researched. Yeah. And there he was. And he's such a, a a wonderful guy. He and his wife are just absolutely delightful. Yeah. He's such a good photographer. I really hate. Them both they're really awful (laughs) because they're so good and they're living this great life where they just travel the world and they're living their best life and their his photos show it it it, and and it's it's i'm so happy for them in in reality but i jealous is a good word to well and and the other thing too is like the the tremendous amount of work that they do right like to get those shots it's i mean we see the final results but we don't see the the, the soul crushing hours that they spend, you know, where oh, yeah. those clouds aren't coming in and yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they don't, you don't see the ones they missed, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. see where they hiked out to some mountain and, and it rained. Yeah. Yeah. Or it was just gray skies and it was just a rotten morning. Like yeah. you don't see the failures, right? We only see the wind. So, yeah. uh, you know, I know that they work hard for it and they also are willing to hike to places that I am not. <laughs> That's it. I am willing to hike a easy 50 feet from the car <laughs> but after that i'm like do i really want to go down this yeah, yeah. 50 feet but uh you know it's funny sean this is terrible but in my seminar i show these beautiful sand dunes out in dubai yeah. and i show these beautiful sand dunes and then i show the behind the scenes picture and i'm shooting from the back of an uber <laughs> but we did go out but in my defense we actually did go out yeah. and walk in the sand dunes but as we're leaving 
I, I just happened to see this one dune with this perfect little yeah. spiral on the top of the thing. And I just told the driver, stop, stop. Well, my buddy was with me and he took a picture of me shooting. He's like, dude, this is just lame. Just, this is so bad. You're rolling down the window. And it is, it's a picture of me yeah. in the back seat with the window down and the dunes in the background. But of course you can't see that. You see the picture of the dune. Sure. It looks like you were out in the sand, but exactly. it was it's not my proudest moment. Sean, I'll be honest. But it worked. It worked, Scott. It worked. It worked. <laughs> listen, listen, Scott. What's what's next for you? What do you what do you have coming down the pipe? Well, I just sent another book off to press, as you might expect. Uh, it is an update of one of my most popular books, which is called "How Do I Do That in Lightroom," and it's a, a whole book that is uh, literally just that uh, same same uh, format as the travel photography book. It's one thing per page. Because a lot of people know that you can do stuff. Like, I know I can do this in Lightroom, but I don't remember how. Yeah. So I designed a book that you would keep by your computer. Yeah. And then when you need to do something, you just look it up and go, how do I make, like, how do I make uh, concrete or, or cobblestones look shiny? Yeah. What's the trick? And yeah. so you turn to that page called How to Make Cobblestones <laughs> Shiny Look Wet. <laughs> right. Make, how do you make stuff, you know, concrete look wet? And so it just tells you, do this, move this slider, do this thing, you know? So it's a whole book like that. So I just redid that. It just went, it's literally going to press right now. So yeah. that's off. And then I've got uh, another workshop I'm going to do later this year in Tuscany. Oh, so nice. I'm going to do a uh, Tuscan workshop. I've got a wonderful location. I'm just working out the dates, but like early October. Um, and if uh, people want to get on my, I have a list that you can get an early notice before the public. If you go to scottkelbyworkshops.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and uh, there is a little thing where you can say, yeah, let me know before the public. So people that have been to my workshops before get first shot. Yep. Then people on that mailing list get second shot, and then I announce to the nice. public if there's any seats left. Um, but uh, it's uh, I love those workshops. You know what I like about the workshops? Of course, I get to go to someplace cool, Tuscany. But the people that come on these workshops are so much fun. They really yeah. do make it. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it's like this last workshop, an, uh, 10 of the people had been with me on another workshop. Oh, wow. And so I already know them. Yeah. And we hung out together and we have meals together and we do all this stuff together. And you wind up making friends with these folks. And it's yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. It really, the, it's the people that make it. And it's also the shared experience that we're all in this wonderful place. Yeah. We're all having these wonderful experiences and we're all getting up really early. Oh, yeah. You know, Sean, the bus, the bus would leave. I would, I rented these buses, right? I would have the buses ready and we would leave the hotel at 4.40 a.m. Yeah. To get it, to get in position for it's our just shots. That's what we but do, I'm telling right? You what, I know, but man, the light, a half an hour before dawn, right up to dawn, yeah. the light is spectacular. Oh, yeah. And I, I, we had, we came back. My students came back with amazing, crazy pictures. Yeah. They will send me like their uh, Adobe Spark page, mm -hmm. right, of, of their, you know, here's the shots and stuff. And, man, they shot lights out. We, we came back with, with really, really great, great photos. And, yeah. and that's it. You, you want everyone to come back and yeah. just have those photos they always wish that they could. And so we do the things we got to do to get the good shots. Yeah. Well, it's really amazing, right? <laughs> like we, we resonate you know, we all resonate with each other in those experiences. And, and anytime, I mean, I've, I've done that so many times and it's just like, what a beautiful way to start the day, you know, like you're, you really, is. you know, you're in these moments where, I mean, you talk about this in the book, right? Where you, you're, you go to these places that two hours from now will be loaded with tourists, but there's no yep. one there. You got it all to yourself. Nobody it's there. just magic. And the light is, you know, I mean, it doesn't get better. The light's perfect, but you know what it is, Sean? 
tourists do not like getting up early. <laughs> yeah. And there are places where I would swear, like we would go to the Trocadero in Paris, which is this wonderful area. And everybody's seen it before. You wouldn't know the name because you don't really. There's no sign that says you're mm -hmm. at the Trocadero. Yeah. But it's this overlook of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And it's just it's the uh, a wonderful scene. And we show up there and there's nobody there. Yeah. There's not another photographer. It's yeah. just us. And then you shoot and you shoot and you shoot. And then the sun comes up and the light's not very good. And as you're leaving and the light's bad, yeah. here come the photographers. Yeah. Here comes the people that wanted to get there at 7. And 7 is too late, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. You've already missed the fabulous, you know. And, and we do this everywhere. We're, we're in Rome at the Vatican Museum, which is this incredible building. Or we're, you know, at the, at the uh, Pantheon or the Parthenon or whatever. It's the Pantheon, I think, is the one in Paris. Right, um, yes. It's not the Parthenon that's in Greece. Yeah. Um, there's nobody there but us. Yeah. And we show up these places that should be packed full of people. We're on the Charles Bridge in Prague, which is it's it's Eiffel Tower, right? That main thing. Nobody there. Yeah. There was one other photographer. There was yeah. one other guy. And we got we we talked to him. He was cool. Um, but it's just us. And you there's nobody on the bridge. And it's beautiful. And sometimes the the cobblestones are, you know, dewy in the morning and they're yeah. wet and they're reflective and the light's great. And then here's the best thing, Sean. When you're done, you packed up all your stuff. You go to breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Like you can, you're like you can hear the call of the wild pancake while you're oh, yeah. putting your gear up, and then you're and then breakfast, and it's still like seven in the morning, and you've had a great shoot and your, breakfast, your, your and the whole day amazing. lies yeah. ahead of you. Yeah. You've already got a one great shot in the bag. It's just yeah. a wonderful way to start everything. Yeah. And then you can take a nap in the afternoon when the lights like crud. Yeah. When the lights awful. Yeah. That's a great time to go catch up on that sleep. That's it. Well, listen, Scott, we could talk all day about travel, about photography, but uh, I just want to thank you for, for taking your, your time and uh, talking about your new book, The Travel Photography Book. It's fantastic. I love it. I can't put it down, and I, I know people are just going to enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much. I wish you all the best on your, oh, your upcoming adventures. The pleasure is mine. Thanks. It's been, it's been a, a real great uh, time chatting with you today. Yeah, same here. All right. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Scott Kelby and the Travel Photography Book, please check out the links in the show notes. This podcast is brought to you by Archipelago Presets, developers of innovative Lightroom presets and profiles that push the boundaries of creativity, helping you take your photography to the next level. Thanks again. Until next time.